Welcome to Opinion Havers, a movie podcast for surfing soldiers. I'm Cody. And I'm Tyler. Tyler? Whoa. What did I make you watch? You made me watch Apocalypse Now, which I've always wanted to watch. Oh, but you didn't think it would be this hard, did you? Nope. Oh, but it were. I didn't think it was going to feel like the longest movie we've ever watched. Tyler? We need to watch some longer movies. I tell you what, I mean, don't get me wrong. Was this long? Yes. Did I hit the sleepy point and fall asleep for about three and a half seconds? Also, yes. I need you to fill in one gap for me. Probably a very important gap. Okay, sure. Was it long? Maybe. But it was worth it, right? Yeah. All right, Tyler, give me give me the rundown, because honestly, there's not enough time. (laughs) There is far too much to discuss. I took a full page and a half of notes. Then I filled out the rest of the page with bananas facts I have to share about this. We need to get through the movie. Look, we got to get through this because there's things that I need to tell you. Oh, so tell me, what is this movie about? Well, you got you got your boy. Um. Hold on. Hold on. Okay. I'll wait. Hold on. What's his name? Carlos. This is son's name. What's his name? You got your boy, Ramon Antonio Gerardo Estevez. He's a veteran. (laughs) But he's not out. So I guess he's not a veteran. He's still in the army. He went home. When he was home, when he was there, he could think about going home. When he was at home, he could think about going back there. That's the origin of this line. That line is this film, this experience. He's there. He's doing some weird yoga moves like in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. You know, did he hire a body double to do it in the window so he could get the drop on people? Probably. We didn't see that. Punches a mirror. Seven years of bad luck. And what we witness is the seven years of bad luck he goes through. I have a theory. Yeah. You are correct that it felt like seven years. I think it was four days. Yeah. <laughs> that's my guess. Okay, okay. But that's the film. If this is the consequences for punching Stop. a mirror. <laughs> think about it, Doesn't... punches the mirror, and that's when everything kicks off. Should it make should it make mention that he was given a mission or <laughs> that was the consequence. You covered the first four minutes of this movie. It's the consequence. Look. You're going to tell me the Francis Ford Coppola did not intend for it to be broke the mirror mission going to the wilderness. Francis Ford Coppola didn't have a nephew named Nicolas Cage to not have won an Oscar for this movie. Can you imagine Nick Cage as the lead in this movie? Because I can. And it's all I imagined for most. of Okay, you want Nick Cage as the lead? I'm sorry. I want Nick Cage as Colonel Kurtz. Okay, I want him. I want him there to just I want the third act to just really go climax with Nicolas Cage hanging from the ceiling. OK, here's what, That's I, what want. I want. Nick Cage is uh, Martin Sheen. Mm-hmm. He plays Martin Sheen. <laughs> Going back to Nam mm-hmm. and the colonel. 
I need you. I need you to pick option one, option two. All option, right. You don't know. Option two, please. Option two. Vin Diesel's the Colonel. No. <laughs> we put a wig on. on him. How old is he? Vin Diesel. What? Fast and Furious one. Vin Diesel. Fast and Furious nine. Vin Diesel. What's the what's the scale here? If I am, if I do, I have a time machine. I can pick. That's what I'm saying. You can pick any year of it. Alternate scene. <laughs> how old he is. Okay. And then every eighth scene, it's a different buff bald actor. <laughs> we get Jason oh. Statham. We get The Rock. Is this an imaginary Others. of Dr. Parnassus scenario yeah. where other bald actors come in to fill in the blank spots of Vin Diesel's character? Yeah. All right. Okay. Now now we're talking. Like when he's trying to be a sweet boy, that's when The Rock comes in. Mm-hmm. I don't know what when he's trying to be gruff and gruff and mysterious. Is that the Statham? No, I think Statham just comes to do like a backflip off of a wall or something. I want Paul Shear to come in for like just a silly scene. And then. What do we do then? Nick Cage is out. Elijah Wood is in. He's the lead now. He's he this whole time. He was just the crazy guy on acid. Okay, but now. Mm -hmm. We flipped it. He's Martin Sheen and Nick Cage is on acid. Here's what you're proposing to me. You're proposing what Marlon Brando wanted to do with this movie. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. That's what you're doing. Okay. So you saw it. We've all seen it. I've seen it. How'd it go? You said you wanted to see this movie. This is a classic movie. Eight Oscar nods. 40 years later, how does it hold up? that's a good question and i thank you for asking that question isn't it great we live in a country where you can ask such Don't questions stonewall me <laughs> i don't know i mean i think for what i think the movie is just as good now as it was then you know what i'm saying i don't think it has aged poorly i think if you're gonna like it if you're gonna dig it it's you know no did you like it? That's the question. I feel like I've given a good answer. <laughs> it's like the stop. Pencil. Put that pencil it's, down. Look, There's no Cody. reason to have that pencil right now. I need something, man. I don't know what's happening. I feel uh, like I've taken drugs. So the movie broke you. The movie broke my okay. brain. I, I suspected as much. Did it? Did I it? liked Platoon, which just seems like the similar movie. Much more focused in That's that true. they're both in Vietnam. Very little Platoon. other similarities. We watched this movie because I saw Platoon. I saw Platoon a few weeks ago, a month or two ago. Yeah. And I was like, how is it that Charlie Sheen and Martin Sheen were both in famous Vietnam movies 10 years apart? Yeah. Father and son, 10 years past. They're both in, anyway, so I had to see it. Ramon and Carlos Estevez. Platoon is dark. Yeah. I think this is darker. Oh, yeah. I, I also, mean, it's almost like it's based on a book called Heart of Darkness. Yeah. It's also, I feel like this is much more accurate to the experience of being in the Vietnam War. Well, you say that, but Platoon, Platoon. was based on the director's experiences yeah. in Vietnam. Like, he wrote that based on his experiences. Yeah. It's a, di I don't know. Okay, so I'm going to say, I really liked this movie. And maybe I just liked it for the sake of the eerie vibes. Like, 
it it's one of those movies kind of a descent into madness or a descent into hell into the heart of, of darkness yeah heart of darkness kind of like mandy or um yeah I, alien aliens is kind of the same way too like yeah that's kind of how james cameron describes it. he's like oh the director's cut of aliens just like 30 minutes more and a more gradual descent into like the chaos of the alien nest you know yeah so i that, definitely i drew a lot i kept thinking of mandy a lot throughout the movie i mean when you think about the sheer amount of bloody and dirty and painted faces yeah it's the same thing it's the same thing there's even a tiger yeah there is and there's acid yeah there's people on acid it's almost like they're like hey we've got the nephew of the man who made apocalypse now nick cage is like man if i was only like 15 years older i could have been martin sheen in this movie you know i gotta pay it forward how, here's the thing. Nick Cage started acting, what, late 80s? Yeah. So I guess this is only like five, five, eight years out of his range. He could have played this guy. Yeah. He should have played this guy. Francis Ford Coppola is a coward for not casting his nephew. His child Nick Cage. nephew at the time. <laughs> okay, you say that. Lawrence Fishburne's in this movie. I didn't realize that. Yeah, because he's a little boy. He was 14 at the time. <gasps> he lied about his age so that he could. Just like the soldier did. Mm-hmm. He said he was 17. He yeah. was really 14. I didn't even connect. I was Lawrence Fishburne. I had no idea. Yeah. I've I reckon- never seen Lawrence Fishburne so skinny, so yeah. supple. That always feels, it feels like that comes up with like, you didn't know this actor was in this movie. Well, the stars are the cast in this movie. Oh, but yeah. it's also a lot of people who it's like, oh yeah, they're still early career. Like this is Harrison Ford before Star Wars. Yeah. I mean, Star Wars came out before this, but this was shot before that, I think, because this movie took... Okay, this movie comes out in 1979. Right. It took three years to edit and over a year to shoot. (laughs) So (laughs) this movie was in production in 75 and Star Wars was 77. Anyway, so yeah, this is before Harrison Ford's break, but it came out after Star Wars. Isn't that weird? It's very weird. Okay. So I have more fun facts, but we got to do it. We got to get in. I need you to. I need you to take. Let's me. hop in the banana boat and <laughs> smuggle weapons to the Viet Cong in Spoiler Town. Yes, because Spoiler Town is in turmoil. All We're, right, <laughs> yeah, by it's going one. down. <laughs> Spoiler yeah. Town. Yeah. Okay. I mean, first off, can we just talk about the tot nubile bod of Martin Sheen forever in my mind? Martin Sheen is the president of the United States as portrayed in the series West Wing. Now, this is 20 years before that, and he's a skinny young boy. Yeah. It really threw me. It still throws me thinking about it. Seeing that taut, supple frame is <laughs> it's weird. It's a trip. He looks like he has about two feet of extra skin on him, I would say, though. Uh-huh. So I don't know about the taut part. I mean... I guess I just pictured him less taut. So to see him as taut as he was. Yeah. <laughs> just threw me. Like a fit young man with mm-hmm. a glorious yeah. chest bush. Yeah. I mean, A plus chest bush. Something we don't get enough of, you know? Look, Henry Cavill. Oh, yeah. He's got the chest bush. Who else is repping the chest bush? You got to go back into the archives for that. 
I'm not comfortable with the way you're fondling my pencil. I don't. I've taken. This movie broke you. This is my. This for the, look, for the next. Tyler, you're playing mind games with me. Psychological to, warfare. Right now? I'm psyoping. a monologue and then edit it down severely. Okay. I'm psyoping you right now. Okay. So, Martin Sheen, you are talking about this. Martin Sheen, he's, he's doing some yoga, punching, dancing. He's shirtless. He's in, he's in his room. He's waiting for something to happen, right? That's me after like a Dragon Ball Z marathon. That's, that is eight-year-old me, Dragon Ball Z marathon. I'm punching pillows. I'm doing, I'm rolling off the couch. I'm doing somersaults, okay? Yeah. I, I was there with him. Here's what I learned about that scene. He punches a mirror. His hand is bleeding. He's not doing well. All right. Here's the thing. That scene was not scripted. They put him in a room and he was like, I'm going to get drunk <laughs> and I'm going to do this scene. <laughs> he really punched that mirror. <laughs> Did not like it's not in the script for him to break that mirror. That was a real mirror. He punched it. He broke it. You know, yeah. Aragorn style. OK, he tried to attack Francis Ford Coppola at one point. He was battling a drinking addiction at the time. And he was like, maybe this help me face my demons. One punched mirror and attacked director later. We have a great scene to start a movie with. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a documentary about this, the making of this movie called Heart of Darkness. Yeah. And we have to watch it now. Yeah. I, I think, think so. I'm going to watch it tonight. Tonight? <laughs> I might have to. Because reading about how insane this shoot was, I just have to. Okay. I have yeah. to know more. I have heard it was like they're like. There's isn't there a quote from is it Francis Ford Coppola or somebody who's like it was it felt like we were in the Vietnam War or something like that like mm -hmm. it was nuts yeah well there's some crazy stuff that like so George Lucas was originally supposed to direct this movie <laughs> you yes. laugh George Lucas is homies with Steven Spielberg yes Francis Ford Coppola and himself in fact Francis Ford Coppola is okay sorry um Francis Ford Coppola is film studio zoetrope was like yeah. a thing he and you know george lucas were going to make their own film studio blah blah, blah do all the stuff they wanted to make the movie coppola ended up getting tied to godfather and then lucas did his own thing so by the time they were both famous enough once they few years passed they're both famous famous directors now lucas is working on star wars he can't do this movie yeah so it's like a huge bummer for him but like at the time this is early 70s lucas is like here's what we're going to do we're going to shoot this movie guerrilla style we're going to tell people we're filming a war documentary about the Vietnam War, which is currently going on. We're going to go and film it while the war is happening in Vietnam, guerrilla style. And they were like, you're crazy. We can't do that. Anyway, by the time the movie gets made, they're like, darn it, the war's over. <laughs> Missed the boat. So they had to go film it. Um, I think they shot a lot of it in the Philippines, I think, as yeah. they do with a lot of these. It'd be the safer option. I think Coppola to... even asked someone, he's like, hey, do you have any advice for like going to film this year? He's like, don't go. <laughs> it's going to be awful. He like, Coppola was like, Al Pacino, do you want to be in this movie? It'll be great. You did. You and Marlon Brando were the Godfather. We're for, you know, we shot. The... He was like, I don't think I should do that. You're going to be shouting at me in a helicopter. I'm going to have to spend five months in the jungle, in, a, in the water. I, it's not for me. <laughs> Anyway, this yeah. movie was supposed to be a six-week shoot. 
bang, bang, boom. Fifteen months later, (laughs) they finish shooting. Three years later, the movie comes out. Yeah. Yeah, it was a nightmare for everybody. Martin Sheen had a heart attack during the movie. They had to ship him out to get better. They shipped his brother in to be a stand-in. So, like, a lot of times when he shot from behind, that's his brother. (laughs) Also... I'm going to need to look up his brother. I want to keep going. I'll give you a hint. His last name is Estevez. (laughs) (laughs) Joe. Yeah, I think so. Ooh, there is no picture of Joe. He's not credited for it. But fun fact, most of the voiceovers is actually his brother. So so at the end of the, as he's editing the movie, three years later, he's like, you know, we need some additional voiceovers. Martin Sheen's tied up another project. So he's like, Joe, you sound like Martin Sheen. (laughs) How would you like to record voiceovers for Apocalypse Now? Here's the thing. Yeah. Joe Estevez does not look like Martin Sheen. I'm going to throw that out there. Yeah. Here's my question. From behind, could he pass as Martin Sheen? Okay. No, no. Here's the thing. (laughs) This is what Joe Estevez looks like. You take Martin Sheen and you cross him with Jeff Foxworthy. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's just Jeff Foxworthy. No, no. That's Martin Sheen in a Jeff Foxworthy wig. Can you can you Photoshop out that goatee so I can just... So I can, I mean, I can just you're right. Me. He has the right face structure, but the wrong hair. He's got the same eyes. <laughs> Without the goatee, similar. He looks more like Charlie Sheen. <gasps> oh, my goodness. Is Martin Sheen's brother actually his son? Maybe. But oh, here's a here's a a young picture of him. You know, there, boom, there you go. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, a, he's got it all together. <laughs> he is a solid C actor, <laughs> okay. apparently, based on his filmography. So continue. Well, he's in Apocalypse Now. I know. So, okay. But here's yeah. the thing. I got off of the Martin Sheen punch yoga mirror punch scene too fast. Is, can we talk about the 70s and realistic tan lines? Yeah. This is something you don't have in movies anymore, you know? Back in the day, you see, you see someone in their skivvies, they got that, they, tan, they too tan, and they're too white, you know, in certain areas. Yeah. Martin Sheen has it. This movie came out the same year as Kramer versus Kramer. Kramer versus Kramer also has some aggressive tan line uh, photography. I, whatever happened why are we ashamed of our tan line are people less tan now are we better has tanning technology improved i just want realistic body image you know yeah. that's what's wrong with hollywood today tanning beds were invented makes me mad yeah okay here's the thing martin sheen is from dayton ohio his character's from toledo, toledo. ohio all right. From what I know of Ohio, there's only one other place in Ohio. Hmm. Is it Cleveland? Yes. Or is it Columbus? Columbus is what I was thinking. What's the city? What's the city in Ready Player One? That's the one I was thinking. That's Columbus, right? Columbus is the capital. Columbus is the where they have the skyscrapers of trailers in Ready Player One. But 
Cleveland is where LeBron James is from. So it was definitely Columbus. <laughs> so now there's four places in Ohio. What's up with Ohio having so many places? I don't know. As far as I'm concerned, they're all the same place. Yeah. I just think they've made maps with other cities labeled on them. Yeah. It's, it's a ruse. It's like how uh, Australia is not real. Mm-hmm. You know about that? No, but tell me. Australia is fake. It's a fake place. It's like birds. Yeah. Birds aren't real. They're drones from the, the government. government has been replacing birds for years with surveillance drones. Yeah. But yeah, so Australia's fake. Where do you think they need somewhere to make the birds? It's exactly. Australia. But it's not there. Exactly. You can't make the birds if the place they're made in doesn't exist. Yeah. All a conspiracy. It's just a compound in the middle of the UK. If you want to know the truth, tweet me at Opinion Hours. Yeah. You've got a meeting with Kool-Aid. Yeah. What? Drink the Kool-Aid? Yeah. Okay. Charlie Don't Surf. Okay, here's what here's the thing about this movie. Does it end in a horrorscape cult scenario? Yeah. Maybe. But does it start with a with a rad surfing general? You know? He's a colonel. A rad a major colonel. He's a cavalryman. He's a colonel. He sure does. It is a man with a platoon of helicopters with several surfers and he just goes about doing whatever he wants and if you mention to him that there's a place where you can surf that's infested with the enemy oh he'll take it for you yeah <laughs> that's the whole thing six foot peaks oh yeah i got no peaks that size there they don't look charlie doesn't deserve it because they don't even surf yeah all right he's got two surfers in his crew I have a question for you. Yeah. Is Charlie an offensive term? Uh-oh. For the Vietnamese. <laughs> you know? You know what? You keep going, you keep going down that rabbit hole and I'll Well, I know on. the offensive word because I've watched Clint Eastwood movies. I mean they they say it in this movie too, but yeah. So I look, I don't think so. Look it up. Tell me if that's offensive. If you might have to bleep me out so many times. Is this why Charlie Sheen is named Charlie? Oh, oh, <laughs> it's a stage name. That makes so much sense. He's just trying to cash in on the on the Viet yeah. on the Vietnam thing, and it, it worked because he's in platoon and two and a half men. I typed in "Is Charlie?" Okay, is Charlie Sheen in Apocalypse Now? That's a great question. Is he? It just took me to the Apocalypse Now Google page, so okay, we'll never know. And uh, Time wrote an article. Okay, the, the it doesn't answer the question. Well, isn't it just like Germans in World War Two or the Jerry's? Yeah, you keep going. All I'll right. tell you if you're racist or not. Just tell me if I'm racist. Uh. 
yeah i believe that this movie was was very long to shoot and very expensive and went over budget because of how many people jumped out of helicopters into water and how many people i saw on fire i saw multiple people on fire and a lot of real explosions and fire uh flamethrowers there's a lot i was impressed The, yeah, when they rolled out of the exploded helicopter, I was like, oh, they're they're on fire. Yeah, that's, that's so much about. of the jelly. That is commitment. It's a lot of goop on you because mm-hmm. they goop you up. Yeah. And then because they don't unless they actually just lit a bunch of like people on fire. Given their treatment of certain other woodland creatures, I would not be surprised if he actually just didn't just light some people on fire. So, OK. I think Robert, they said Robert Duvall, who plays uh, Colonel Surfboard, um, yeah. won an Oscar. His, he's only on screen, or got an Oscar nomination. I think he was on screen for 11 minutes. And his character is amazing. He speaks like the most, fav- he says the most famous line from the movie, which is, I love the smell of napalm in the morning. Dot, 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 smells like victory. Yeah. Uh, but I just loved, look, the fact that he was he was destroying a village and risking everything to get some catch some cool waves sure the fact that he had absolutely zero fear the entire time amazing he's just standing up walking through the field of explosions he's unfazed by anything i need i need to be more like him in my life and also less like him in my life you understand Tyler, if you haven't answered the question by now, there is no answer. No, um, so I mean, in the uh, the racial slur database dot org, yeah, it's in the database as a racial slur. Okay, well, so you and all the American soldiers in Vietnam racist. Darn, that's too bad. Yeah, I learned we're canceled now. Bad words from this movie. Sorry. And just here's what we're gonna do. Let me just get a few clean sheens in here. Sheen. Sheen. I just need you to input Sheen every time I say Charlie. Sheen, right? So you just gotta <laughs> you just gotta say Charlie Sheen don't surf. All right. That's what you don't understand. Yeah. Nailed it. Found the loophole. You did it. You're <laughs> you're a hero. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. So there's a what? There's a Playboy Bunny, uh, USO show, yeah. which I found for as deep as the movie gets into the horror. I, I'm not saying it wasn't a necessary scene, but I lost it at the cap gun <laughs> when one of them She's started like, like bang, bang, pow, pow. I was, I was like, this is. This is too much. I mean, I appreciate that dissolved into chaos and it yeah. means something, but I just I couldn't get past the cap guns, I guess, is where I'm at. Well, I mean, I feel like we've been to Nam and back now, and that's mm. part of it. The whole experience going there. It's seeing your buddy die. But <laughs> two or three Playboy bunnies might show up at some point for and for a off. 90 second. 
for a 90 second exhibition of cap guns. Yeah. All right. And you're fine. That's true. That's how the army works. That's how they get you. I did think it was interesting later on the guy. What's his name? Is he the surfer guy? The, on the boat? The professional surfer on the boat? Yeah. I don't remember his name. I think so, because he, he talks about how he dropped acid. and But someone wrote him a letter about Disneyland. And he's like, this is better than Disneyland. And then like going down the river in Vietnam. And yeah, he's like, this is it. This is it, yeah. Disneyland has nothing on this experience. It's like, oh, they're all they're all losing it. They're all gone. Yeah. This what I, Speaking of him, right? This is what I learned. In every Vietnam movie, right, there's the one guy... He's like, I'm high out of my mind the entire war. And they're always, you know, opposite the stoic soldier. And uh-huh. I always thought, Cody, you're going to snap like a twig when we go to Nam. You're going to be the high guy. I'll have to be the soldier. What we've learned is I'm dropping acid before the plane lands. <laughs> right. So you got to be the responsible one that kills the crazy warlord yeah all right i mean i'll take that responsibility upon myself i guess yeah. if i must you gotta do it it's the only way I, what did they say okay so this is this is well into the movie this is where the part like okay we've gone through the 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 madness of the surfing the surfing colonel bit i forgot that even happened <laughs> Oh, it feels like a whole other movie. By the time you yeah. get to the end of this movie, that feels like a whole like there's a hard okay, I feel like the hard separation in this is I mean it, it's well, a pretty when, steady progression, but for me is is when they drive up at they roll up in the boat at night and uh Charlie Sheen gets like a few, you know, dossier with a little Martin more information. Sheen. It's Martin Sheen. Martin Sheen. Mart. Mart. Marty. Marty Sheen. He gets the dossier with a little more information. It's night. The captain of the boat is kind of like, all right, so can we leave you? We've got a dip. This is madness out here. It's like yeah. dark. It's kind of crazy. I feel like that's the real hard part. We're like, okay, we're not turning back. It's going down. Yeah. They're at that bridge that is a famous bridge. I cannot remember the name of it, but it's like they would build it every day and then it would get destroyed every night mm-hmm. just so it would look good on paper. Yeah. There's no point to it. And it, because it's all I think I've seen a lot of movies use it as like a, this embodies the Vietnam War. It's like the Eiffel Tower. Eiffel Tower of France is for this is the mm, Vietnam War. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. What? So for me, that, that's, that was the separating point. We're like, okay, we're, we're descending. This, yeah, we're not turning back. It's getting real dark real fast. Yeah. It's like in Willy Wonka where they go through the tunnel. Like, oh no, we're in... We're in Gene Wilder's hands now. Yeah. There's no turning back. So anyway, yeah, because that beginning of the movie is so different, right? I don't know. I like that in the beginning, in the beginning, you see Martin Sheen is out of it, right? He's he's mad himself. He's lost it. He feels like you mentioned. He's like, when I'm at home, I wanted to be back in Vietnam. When I'm Vietnam, I don't, you know, like he's in it. He's gone a little crazy. He's and even when they like they go to pick him up, he's like, "All right, what what, what did I do? What am I being arrested for?" <laughs> like, we just had a mission for you. You didn't get cleaned up, you know. They take him to the thing, they brief him. Yeah, like you're in the CA, right? He's like, uh, "I don't know what you're talking about. I can't talk about that." And then so they give him the mission. They're like, "Look, this guy's going crazy. Uh, we need you to take him out. He's 
he's gone to Cambodia. He's doing his own thing. He's commanding his own troops. Like, we got to take care of you. Got to take care of him. Yeah. But the whole time you're just like, oh, well, is this not the same state that Martin Sheen is in? <laughs> like, isn't his character also like susceptible to that same thing? And even like as he gets closer, he's like, I didn't want to kill him. I want to confront him. <laughs> like, I can yeah. talk to this guy. Like, oh no. And and even you know you see Surf Colonel Surfboard. And you're like, this guy's doing the same thing. He's doing whatever he wants. He's not. Fo- he's following his own orders. He's, yeah. He's just enjoying being in command and getting to wreak havoc wherever he wants to. And yeah. so I like that they draw that parallel the whole time. It is interesting to me that Martin Sheen, like his voiceover, kind of points it out because I thought it was fairly obvious. I think if this movie was made today, that voiceover wouldn't be in there, and it would just be like, oh yeah, you can kind of draw the parallel of. Yeah, Kurtz and uh, the other generals, you know, or the other commanders and seeing seeing those parallels. Yeah, well, I mean, like they're kind of it is one of the things I always find interesting. You see movies where they have all the like movies based in different wars, right? Because in World War Two, like all those movies, you had the same thing. Like if you were a major with your unit out in the middle of nowhere, Mm -hmm. you weren't getting orders. (laughs) They were like. Go in that direction and don't die until someone that has more stuff on their chest shows up. Right. And you're like, cool. And then by the time the guy with like the colonel shows up, it's like, who's in charge? Well, Corporal Jensen's the only one that's not a private. So he's in charge. Yeah. And there's six of us left, Mm -hmm. you know. But it's like in Vietnam, it was just so much crazier. Yeah than it was in the other wars right mm-hmm. just insane the crazy yeah. people well it's it's like guerrilla warfare right like i don't know if the u.s had ever quite gone up against it <laughs> because yeah. like that's sort of thing we used in revolutionary war but every war since then had been like fairly organized and like conventional and then we show up in vietnam and it's like yeah no we're in the jungle and you you're in our jungle now so good yeah. luck getting in tiny little holes in the ground you know it's like the Agent Orange, like your wife was like, is that Agent Orange? Talking about napalm. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, there's the stuff they would drop to make the trees drop their leaves so guys couldn't hide in the trees anymore. Yeah. But the jungle was so thick that they'd be like, well, we dropped 10,000 tons of it and we've done roughly like the size of like a city block. Yeah. <laughs> with no leaves. So we're not doing a lot here. Yeah. All we've done is permanently damage most of the soldiers. In multiple ways. Vietnam is crazy and just so long too. It's yeah. like it got passed like president to president. <laughs> it was just like, yeah. oh, what are we gonna do? We can't turn back now. Can we turn back? Like, should we just leave? Like, we can't leave. We have to win. And at the end, it was just like, all right, <laughs> I guess we're yeah. done. It's really like I always thought of the Vietnam conflict because remember it wasn't a real war, Cody. It's conflict, mm-hmm. but no, it's the war, right? It's kind of like when you have an old beater car that you're like. If I just spent $2,000, this car would be fine. But then you go to the shop and they're like, oh, this thing is going to you know, be 2000 to fix it. And you're like, what can you do for 150 mm-hmm. Well, I can make it run for another six months. You're like, do that. Bingo. Yeah. You know? So, yeah. It, it goes down. Martin Sheen, I thought another interesting turning point you know, Martin Sheen's whole thing is, hey, 
boat captain guy. You're just a small Navy crew. I just need you to get me to get me north up this river or whatever, you know, get me to Cambodia, get me to the border. That's all I need to know. Just we're going up the river. Yeah. Meanwhile, the captain's frustrated. He's like, well, this is my boat. Like, you're not my boss. And so there, there are points where he pushes back on him, right? Yeah. And so, like, there's a point where there's just, like, a little a little shipping boat, you know, a little shipping junk. I think a little banana boat, right? Yeah, banana boat. And uh, so they're like, okay, we got to inspect it. He's like, why are you going to inspect it? Like, you're not, you're only here to take me to where I need to go. So just let him go. Like, let's go up river. And then yeah. captain puts his foot down. It's like, nope, we're stopped. We're going to inspect the boat. And that goes down real hard. Oh, yeah. So, you know, he's making Chef go to the boat. He's like, inspect. He's like, okay, it's mangoes. All right, this is right. So there's nothing here. Like, look at that. Look at that. And uh, the lady in the boat gets gets spooked. And she's like, no, don't. You know, she like goes to reach for him. And just, is it Lawrence Fishburne's character? Yeah. Just like unloads um, the whole the whole gun. His whole, every, you know, he's got a machine gun. He unloads it all on the boat. Yeah. And that gets dark. Um, and it's interesting because they're like, oh, the lady's not dead. We need to take her to a medic. And Martin Sheen just, just shoots her. And he's like, nope. I thought that was interesting because he's like, I told you we shouldn't stop. Let's go. Yeah. Just crazy. Like, it's interesting because so much of his character, just kind of, he's just, you know he's done stuff. And they he's the person they asked to go assassinate the crazy guy. Um, but you didn't. You don't really see him do anything. He's just like, hey, I need to get, need to get along. I need to get along. Can you take me up here? Here are my orders. And that was the first time where he like actively did something, you know, where he's like, yeah. nope, this is my mission. You know, you're like, okay, he's not, he's not just a bystander. Like he's part of this, you yeah. know? Yeah. And it also like, I think really shows, you know, because he mentions it when the guy's like, we got to stop. We got to inspect the boat. That's our job. That's what we do. We're a patrol boat. He's like, patrol boats don't come up here. You're mm-hmm. like you were saying, you're only up here because I'm here. So you're here with me because I'm in the boat. Right. And he's like, no. And then, you know, when that happens, it's like you're out of your element. You're out of where you got like the big boats to support you and where you're mm-hmm. inspecting boats and people have their papers ready. And you're in where I'm used to, where we're like going to assassinate people and things. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. It, it was just. It's interesting to see, like, the further you get along the river, just the crazier things get. There's, like, yeah. less and less order and less control. Yeah. And even just the switch of, like, them unloading and, like, throwing all, like, the slurs and being all, like, just taking out. Because they kind of just devolves into them almost just taking out all their stress and aggression on this boat. Yeah. And the people in it, too. She's still alive. We need to get her to friendlies to help her. Yeah, that, that's what's interesting because in in the beginning you're like, oh, these are just the navy the navy boys, and compared to Colonel Surfboard and his whole crew who are maniacs, it's like, oh, these navy guys, these are like pacifists, you know, they're just driving their boat, being yeah. good boys, and then, you know, thirty minutes, forty minutes later in the movie, a few scenes later, it's like, oh no, they're doing the same thing. Like, it's like everyone's driven to that same point. Yeah. If you put these people in the same situation, they're all going to hit that. Yeah. That heart of darkness. Yeah. I really think those uh, air cavalry guys were having the best time. You know, your commander's like, look, you can surf or you can fight. Those are your (laughs) options. (laughs) 
That's just, just him, like, all sort of ripping his shirt off. There's explosions happening. He's just, he's living he's his got, best life. He's got the bugle and the old timey uniform and everything. Like, he's like, we are cavalrymen <laughs> and they have given us helicopters. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. Um, I, I thought it was interesting. Someone said, what did someone say? Martin Sheen's like, oh, wherever you go, it's going to be hot. That's what he said. And I was like. You know it's gonna be hot when Martin Sheen's involved. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know it. I know it. We all know. Here's what I didn't know. Um, Martin Sheen was not the first pick for the role. There were other people up for it. Like Harvey Keitel was wanted to play it really bad. Al Pacino was approached for it. And actually, they started the movie, and it was um, oh, Clint Eastwood was approached for it as well. Nice. But darn, maybe it was her. It wasn't Harvey Keitel. Um, it was Marlon Brando playing someone both. else actually started the movie so, t- tell me something interesting while I look this up oh, something interesting oh I thought it was really interesting like you know we were talking about the scene where they got the puppy that's why the girl was diving for the guy right yeah and then short time later they're going along and they've just been shot at, right? Like mm-hmm. they were shot at, and then right after that, they uh, had the arrows being shot at them, like tons of arrows, and they're mm-hmm. freaking out and firing into the trees and everything. And Martin Sheen's character is like, "No, stop, stop! They're just trying to scare us. It's basically sticks. They're not even real arrows. Yeah, you know, like chill out and just go, like just gun it and get out of here. They're just trying to make us move faster through this area. Yeah." And the the captain of the little boat, I can't remember what, what he kept calling him, but like the, you know, the guy, he's like, no, we got to defend this boat. And then he gets caught by a spear. Yeah. And then he tries to kill. Oh, Martin my goodness. Sheen. That was a whole. Yeah, that was really interesting, too, because they've been disagreeing for a while. Yeah. He's dying with the spear and then Martin Sheen's standing over him. He have grabs Martin Sheen tries to pull him into the spear too which is just yeah I know it was crazy to see just the people turning on themselves yeah just the madness just like him blaming obviously blaming him for getting all of his crew killed yeah when it's like people have only died when they haven't listened to the Sheenster oh yeah you know if I'm if I'm in the jungles of Vietnam or Cambodia you know Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna hallucinate Martin Sheen just so I know what to do. If there's a Sheen there. There's an Estevez there. Then you know they got you covered. I want modern day Martin Sheen though. Oh yeah, yeah. And I also is a hallucination, right? We've said yeah. So I want him to have a tiny pocket sized Charlie Sheen with him. <laughs> and inside, and then Charlie Sheen. And his he's got a little vest, and in the vest is a little puppy. Yeah, uh, that was one. Of, that was probably my favorite part of the movie. Actually, was when the surfer dude who's like tripping balls, like that whole back half of the movie. They're like going through a really cool lit scene where there's just flares going, and it's dark, and you just see as the flares go, you can see bits and pieces. And I'm like, what's in his? Oh, oh, there's a puppy in his. <laughs> there's yeah. a puppy in his vest. All right, took the puppy with him. That's fun. Yeah, they're in like what is historically one of the most hotly contested areas of the entire war. And he's just 
puppy. He's got his puppy. He does. He keeps like climbing on top of stuff and taking yeah. off his helmet and <laughs> the cat. What is it? Wasn't it Captain? Whatever. Martin Sheen. Just like, hey, get down here. Keeps oh, having yeah. to call him down. So, okay. So Harvey Keitel was originally cast as Willard. That's Martin Sheen's part. But after two weeks, Francis Ford Coppola replaced him Sheen. Nick Nolte really wanted the part as well. Oh, and when Nick. Harvey Keitel got fired, he was like, this is my shot. Uh, but Martin Sheen was given the role. Yeah. So kind of crazy. I mean, can you imagine if this movie with Clint Eastwood or Al Pacino or Harvey Keitel or you know, any of those other actors considered for it would have been would have been interesting. I, I like the choice of Martin Sheen. Martin Sheen, even though you start the movie with him being like crazy. Yeah. The Sheens, they just they have they've got a pure face, you know. They got that nice face that I think contrasts well with the madness of war. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I've seen hot shots. I know. Oh, sorry. I'm doing an eye roll. Okay, there we go. Got my third one in. Okay. Yeah. Um, that scene in particular when they're at that bridge. Yeah. Just the music was incredible. Like it was just eerie. It was spooky. I yeah. loved it. I thought the music, especially in the back half of the of the movie, was really took it a long way in like building a really scary, uncomfortable vibe. I think by the end of the movie, I could like just hear my heart pounding. You were just yeah. like, "This is, well, this is a lot going on." Yeah, I felt the first part. I felt that was when they were coming on that, uh, like the outpost. You know getting when they were setting it up for the uso show and mm. it was like the eerie like like theremin music and i was yeah. like what is happening for a second i thought like are they pulling up to marlon brando you know to yeah i was like Colonel is this Kurtz's thing i was like yeah i was like is this where they're going is this like a yeah. cult compound that's what i thought yeah like what is happening here uh but yeah it's just a u.s army base which makes sense when you saw the lights but it's just yeah it was it wasn't clear that it was an army base, you know? It was just like, and even the people on the docks that were like, oh, you can put your boat here were like weird. Yeah. You know, they're like zombies almost. Oh my goodness. And then they get some mail and in the mail, there's like a tape recorder. And so yeah. one of the, one of the guys in the Navy boat has like, oh, it's like his mom or his grandma sent him a tape. What did she say? She says like, and we're going to spoil those grandkids. We won't tell the parents about it. Ha, ha, ha. What? Yeah. Why she? Why didn't she laugh? Because she's she reading. Said, she wrote a letter. Ha, no, no. Okay, so she, she was wrote a letter. Reading read out a letter. Yeah. Anyway, I just, I couldn't deal with it. I was like, no. Yeah. That is not how you laugh. This is why we invented the phrase LOL, okay? <laughs> because it just, it's not the same when you read out loud. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah. But that, you know, because I've watched a lot I'm going to go out on a limb and say I've probably watched a lot more war movies in general than you because I enjoy those movies. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that's something that is pops up a lot in those movies is like mom sent you a tape and it's she wrote a letter and she's reading it. So it's always like that. Mom, <laughs> mom, you don't got to keep it so formal. So you know, like, I want you, you can improvise a little bit. We hope you are doing good. <laughs> Full stop. <laughs> yeah, it's oh, like no. it's like you can just talk into the tape recorder. Yeah. You just tell me what's going on. Yeah. Um. I mean. Oh, and then that scene where they are—it's the fake arrows that they're shooting. 
I didn't realize what was going on, but the get the, the surfer dude acid guy. Yeah. He's like grabs one, he's fiddling with it, and like the next shot, he made the little like comedy arrow hat, you know, where like <laughs> it looks like the arrows go. I was like, I'm like, this guy is having too good a time. Like earlier when he was like, This is like Disneyland, I was like, You're dumb. And you know what? I believe he was having that much fun because he's got a puppy, he's making arrow hats, he fully joins the cult <laughs> like, yeah. at the end. He's just like, This is rad, I'm here for it. <laughs> like anyway, so good for him he's living his best life well it is funny too because like he's the one who gives himself over to it he's like mm-hmm. i'm just gonna give in to the craziness of it all let it wash over me let it go through me mm-hmm. i'm not gonna fight against it everyone who's like i'm gonna fight against it they die yeah but the two people who are like i can accept this i'm like oh one with the universe mm-hmm. You got to go with the flow of the river. Yeah. That river takes you to like a fun military slash Zen cult in Cambodia. <laughs> and that's just what you have to do. You get it. You got to go with it. With a crazy photojournalist. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. That photojournalist. It's one of those things where you're like, oh, he existed before he was a stereotype. Like the way he talked. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's so interesting to see a movie. You're like, oh, I think that's where people get that. from. You know, that was probably... Yeah. A milestone performance for like the hippie yeah. photographer dude. Well, it's also like I was thinking, I was like, because I kind of rolled my eyes when he came on. I was like, oh, and then I was like, you know, the reason this is in these movies is because that was like a thing oh, at yeah. the time. Like there were a lot of people like that in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Just like fun, crunchy, hippie guys, you know? Mm-hmm. I just wanted Andre to be there. Andre Drummond of the Lakers. Now, Andre, Iguodala this is one of the stops. Of the this is one of the stops on his, you know, he's going to go back and he's going to tell Wallace, you know, it's my dinner with Andre. That uh, one. Yeah. I wanted him. This is the kind of place oh, he would be. Oh, my goodness. Like then I joined a militaristic cult in Cambodia. <laughs> this really I bet this is in that movie. It's just you know how that movie's like what six hours of uh, the six hour tape that it, the screenplay's based off? Yeah. I'm sure this is in there. Oh yeah. Just him re retelling the heart of darkness as if he was in it, <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. oh man. So oh, yeah, I mean this is where we're getting into the really interesting visuals, right? We get past that bridge. We get past the point with the fake arrows where the captain's dead. There's just it's just the three white guys now. All right. This oh, is a, yeah, they know. This is a horror movie. And we've we've killed off all the people of color. And it's just the white folks at the end. Oh yeah. And they make it. They make it to Colonel Kurtz's cult. And it is interesting, right? Because they're welcomed by the photographer dude. He's like, don't worry. It's cool, man. We're, I'm an American. Let's, you know, we'll hit off. I have seven cameras strapped around me at all times. It's totally cool. Seventy cameras. <laughs> yes. Uh, just, yeah, the visuals are fascinating. As they go, there's like more and more just like colored smoke everywhere. Are those all just like smoke signals? Yeah. But it's just a style choice at this point. Just an aesthetic, right? Yeah. I mean incredible visuals. I 
I understand why it took so long to shoot. Because you go from kind of just like the basic daytime jungle shooting to like, oh, now we're night shooting. Now we've got like colored smoke everywhere. And there's like 400 villagers that are part of this cult. And the costumes and everyone has to be dirty and sweaty. And, you know, it just is a feat. Not to mention, I bet you that shot where he's like pops the purple grenades, purple smoke grenades. Yeah. And he's, have you ever breathed in the smoke from a smoke grenade? I mean, it would be like if I lit, you know, like a fountain firework thing and just like sat there and breathed it in, right? It's like that, but it's like so thick and it just, it hurt, it burns your throat to breathe it in. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure that alone took them at least a couple of days to like piece together. I want to know who had the audacity to think this movie could be shot in six weeks. That's what I want to know. There's well, no they way. shot The Hobbit in in eight weeks. Was the Hobbit shot on a boat in a river in the Philippines? No, it was in New Zealand. It was they strapped the super the duct taped a GoPro to a barrel. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. I uh, yeah. No, I mean, incredible, incredible views, beautifully shot. Even like when Martin Sheen walks into the cult, they all kind of like. Close in on him, grab him, turn him upside down, rub him in the mud. And the camera, the camera rotates with him. Like, I thought he was going to go through the mud. Oh, yeah. I Well, I just, I was like, well, why is the camera turning? Like, oh, no. Oh, he's upside down now. You know, it was really, I mean, some amazing cinematography, some amazing camera work. Fun fact about this movie. Yes. In the Philippines, they actually didn't have the technology to develop the film. So they shot this movie blind. Oh. Uh, Francis Ford Coppola had no idea what the dailies looked like. So not only did they go from a six week shoot to a 15 month shoot, they also weren't even sure like how it looked. Could you imagine his fear of having to go back? Because I assume it sounds like like George Lucas and Steven Spielberg and him, but like George Lucas and Spielberg for the most part were probably like, the guys that brought money to projects having to go back and back. So George, here's the thing. Remember that movie? It's all unusable. (laughs) Yeah. 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 That would be, that would probably be the most terrifying, like wait of your entire life waiting for that to get developed. So you can watch it and be like, well, let's see if we wasted a year and a half. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, and I'm sure millions and millions of dollars. Just crazy. Yeah, I mean, I heard they had somewhere like... I, can't, I read it somewhere. It was somewhere between like... can't have been 200 hours. That's too reasonable. It was like 200 hours. Was it, two, it couldn't have been 2,000. It couldn't have been 2,000 hours. But like they shot for 50 months. So they had an insane amount of footage. Which is probably why it took three years to edit together. I'm also, but it surprised me that it took three years because it, it really seemed like a very cohesive film. You know, yeah. I mean, I guess if you spend that much time editing it. Um, 200 hours. It'd be like the Snyder cut if you never took a break or it's just like, I've been editing this the whole time. Just yeah. piecing it together. But it was so he did shoot nearly 200 hours of footage. 200 hours, which is, I mean, it's a lot. That's a lot to go through. It took 16 months. 200 hours of footage is like. How many work weeks is that? I mean, eight? 40. So yeah. So yeah, eight weeks. 
eight weeks of your office job, but it's just footage you have to go through and make a two and a half hour movie out of. Yeah. And they're like, this is just eight hours of Martin Sheen's penis. <laughs> what is happening? You got to watch every second of it. They, he and Francis Ford Coppola have been wrestling for 30 minutes now. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I don't think they know the camera's on. <laughs> um, is this a tickle fight? <laughs> okay, so... Also, it's interesting um, when they get to the cult on some like, I mean, that's an incredible set itself. Or are those just real ruins? Like, what was that? I would guess probably, yeah, they just found some. Well, I don't know if they're in the Philippines. I don't know if they have those kinds of ruins in the Philippines. It is an amazing set, but they have written on the wall our motto, Apocalypse Now. I think that's where they got the title of the movie from. I think that was there. And they were like, you know what? Harder Darkness, that sucks. Apocalypse Now, that's the name of the movie. Oh, like these, like they went to real ruins and that was already graffitied there? That's what I think. I believe you. Because Apocalypse Now, what does that mean in terms of the movie? Look, Cody, you either know what it means or you don't. And no one can tell you. You have to go on that journey yourself. So that's, that's what I think. Marlon Brando finally shows up for the last 20 minutes of the movie. I was ready for him the whole time. Marlon Brando, a legendary actor, Academy Award winner, Godfather. You know, we all know him. Here's what you may not know about Marlon Brando. Tell me. Very famously terrible to work with. Like one of the hardest actors to work with ever. For a couple reasons. He's a stubborn man. Sure, we all know this. Also, character actor. He's one of like the early character actors. He's like, tell you what, I'm just going to, you know, this villain I'm playing, I'm going to be him the whole time. <laughs> when the camera's rolling, when I'm sleeping, when I'm getting a snack from craft services, I am the villain. <laughs> That's his thing. Finally, he's an ad-libber, all right? He doesn't believe in the words you put on the page. He's got to feel it and just say whatever he wants. <laughs> and so directors hate working with him, which I, I thought it was interesting because he didn't want to do the movie originally and Francis Ford Coppola was like, oh no, you'd be great, we should do it. Just crazy to think like, you guys worked together like six years ago on The Godfather, which is proclaimed to be one of the greatest films of all time. Great performance by Marlon Brando. Don't you think Francis Ford Coppola knew what he was getting into? Yeah. Or was it just that? The difficulty of Marlon Brando magnified by the jungle shoot in 15 months. Anyway, I heard somewhere that it was like he just had his assistant director shoot all his scenes. He's like, I can't even deal with this. You just shoot his scenes. I can't even. So that's interesting. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess if you shot The Godfather with him, you'd be like, I know how to handle him. And then you throw all of that into the jungle after over a year of shooting and you're like, gonna kill one of the most famous men in the world that's interesting too i wonder how if you think about it it's like he's in 20 minutes in the movie so how long was he there shooting i want i just wonder there's so many big spectacle scenes i wonder which ones were the hardest to do yeah i take it probably the ones with the most people in it right so i mean i'm guessing those cult scenes were like the heart really the hard part yeah among the hardest part yeah, but they also I mean they had big what set pieces too like you're walking through a big set of people and there, oh, there's a documentary filmmaker and there's a crazy general and there's villagers fleeing like that's all I mean that's, that's a lot to handle 
It's interesting. I don't know. Francis Ford Coppola, he did Godfather 1 and 2, like two of the most famous movies of all time, regarded as some of the greatest films of all time. So it's an interesting scenario where like you get handed a project and I mean, the studio is going to let you do a lot with it. Yeah. At that point, you've earned a lot of goodwill. I mean, the Godfather was shot on like a tiny budget, you know, and they were like, oh, a dumb mobster movie this is going to be stupid. Whatever. You can have some money to make this. And then it was, a, you know, as successful as it was. But here's what I'm saying. Tell me what you're saying. Marlon Rand, I thought it was interesting because, you know, it's all the U.S. soldiers have like all the technology and whatever, and they kind of are just abusing it. And you see... Viet Cong and the villagers are kind of, you know, they don't have nearly the same resources and they're just kind of at the mercy of the troops, right? Yeah. It's kind of like the technology thing. And you, you just see like a lot of wasteful people and a lot of destruction. You get to Marlon Brando, there's a lot of death and murder. Like there's all these like bodies everywhere. It's crazy. But at the same time, there's like not that same like technology. It seems like they're kind of just more one with nature. That's kind of like the vibe I got from Brando's character. He's just, he's in the ruins. He's there, splashing some water on his face, reading some poems. You know, like it's it's interesting just the how different that he's just sitting there, peaceful. I mean he ordered all the murders, but you know, it's kind of like the photographer said, like, oh, yeah, I mean, he has hard times and whatever, but he also he sometimes he's right and sometimes he's calm and you know. Yeah. Speaks truth. I like how he's like, yeah, you're looking at the you're looking at the heads, you're looking at the heads. It's just like the steps out to his like cave is just mm-hmm. lined with severed heads. Yeah, he's like, yeah, sometimes sometimes he goes too far, but he's the first to admit that. <laughs> yeah, it was it was fascinating. It was really interesting, and uh, I thought the lighting on Brando's interesting because you take the whole movie trying to get to him. And then he's like in shadow for the first like minute or two. And then you're only seeing parts of his face. He's in silhouette and super interesting. I thought that was just an amazing artistic choice. Here's what I learned. So, so you know, this movie is based on the book Heart of Darkness. Francis Ford Coppola talks Arnold Brando into doing it. Brando had like a million dollar, not a retainer, but like incentive or like bonus for signing. Brando's like, I don't even... I didn't think I want to do it. So I'm just going to keep that money and not do it. France for probably, no, you have to do it, whatever. Finally, he gets him on set. He's like, great. You've seen the script. You've read the book. This is going to be great. Brando's like, here's the thing. I am very drunk. I'm 80 pounds heavier than I'm supposed to be for the part. I have not read the book. I haven't read the script. <laughs> so, so Francis was like panicking like this cannot be happening he spent several days like reading out loud the book to him they got in a huge fight over like all the lines he had written he's like i don't want to say these lines these are dumb i think he should have a different name i think and he's like just going and they have to they settle like the character's supposed to be like tall super lanky he's been in the jungle forever he shows up he's this like portly hollywood guy five seven super portly he's like I can't even deal. Here's what we're going to do. I will compromise. We will ad-lib a lot of your lines. That's fine. Assistant director, you shoot the scenes. Put him in shadow. Shoot him from below so it looks like he's tall and a commanding presence. And we can't show his belly. <laughs> so, that, yeah. so that's what happened. Okay. That makes me feel Because when he sat up, I was like, this guy's fat. <laughs> I mean, he's got, he's thick. He's got the thick he's face a, and the thick neck. And This is supposed to be like a... 
Delta Force commando that has taken Gone over rogue. like an army. And then yeah. he's like, he's like, <laughs> he's and I'm like, it would make sense if they're like, hey, like he looks like when they're, like, like, when they're like, hey, this general or colonel, which I guess he is a colonel, yeah. has gone rogue. But he's just, you know, a guy that was in command and has taken his soldiers rogue. Not mm-hmm. like this super special ops, mm-hmm. you know, super soldier has gone into the jungle and now has a cult. But you have to go I mean, stop you're him. waiting for like Rambo to come out, <laughs> yeah. right? And he looks like Jabba the Hutt, like slim, fast Jabba the Hutt. <laughs> That's what I mean. Like, you look good for Jabba the Hutt. You look terrible for someone who's supposed to be like in the bush, like in the jungle, you know, yeah. surviving off of who knows what. Like, my, I, it's like, I, I've known people who were, who were the, you know, version of that guy. There are two types of guys. There's the guys that you would never in a million years because they're like, just normal or super lanky looking dudes mm-hmm. who are those hardcore Delta guys. Or there's the guys whose arms are as big around as your entire body, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh gosh. Your Hemsworths. Yeah. And that's how they describe him. Yeah. Yeah, they do. I mean, this guy who's like, oh, he could have been a general. And then he fought to go to jump school and then like wanted to take his command and threw a fit and blah, 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 and got his way. And anyway, now he has an army and he's doing whatever he wants and he's in Cambodia. Yeah. So yeah, no, I wasn't it when I when I first saw him, I was like, you know, they talked about him doing poetry. I was like, I bet he does slam poetry. <laughs> like when I saw him, that just came to my mind. I was a little bummed he didn't do any, but that's the vibe I got. Where he's like, want to hear my really really cool poem? <laughs> and it's just like, oh no, the slam is coming. Yeah. So yeah, it, it's interesting. So they they capture Martin Sheen. You know, he lets Martin Sheen approach him. They capture him. They're feeding him water. He's kind of like indoctrinating him almost. Like he's just sitting there listening to what he has to say. Marlon Brando rolls up, drops uh, Chef's head on his lap. Yeah. He freaks out. That fake head I thought looked great. Yeah, you know sometimes they do the fake head and you're like oh it's very obviously a very fake head but i get it it's an extreme thing i get the point but that one i was like that looks like that dude's head i was like did they kill this guy it really did really did i mean i was impressed yeah with I, a lot of the effects i mean the the wounds yeah. the people on fire the the dirt everyone being so sweaty which i think was just what was going on yeah. <laughs> based on what i've heard about the shoot but i thought all of that added a lot of realism to the movie even though it is this like crazy fantasy, right? Like, oh, there's a rogue person and has a cult army thing. You know, I thought it added, and I think that's what made it so unsettling and gripping by the end. Yeah. It felt like an adventure, but like a very real, like this is what, not like a movie adventure, but like this is what a soldier in this scenario would have had to go through mm. to get to this guy. Yeah, there's... um. There's a movie called The Lost City of Z. Yeah. With Charlie Hoonan. I've seen that. And one. when that movie started, out, this is what I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be this descent into madness. Um, and instead, it's like, we're in the Amazon for 20 minutes. <laughs> anyway, now I'm back home. We go back to, and it ends up being like a much longer thing. And it's like a, you know, an epic piece. And it tells all these pieces. But 
that's what I was ready for because they're in the yeah. Amazon going on a boat. And that's very much what this movie was. You go down a boat and just it just keeps descending. You just keep going deeper and deeper into the the heart of Brando. Yeah. Here's my question real quick. Talk to me. Did you like Lost City of Z? No. I liked that movie. I didn't. I like I said, I think if it had just been the Amazon stuff, I would have really liked it. Yeah. But it didn't stay in the Amazon long enough, and then we're. But then you wouldn't have gotten the sweet boy. It's Tom Holland. Tom Holland plays Charlie Tom, Hoonan's son. Tom Holland with a little mustache. Yeah, a little, a little man mustache. Yeah, you're right. I mean, yeah, that's what I wanted from it. There's a movie that is like that. This is like what I wanted. Apocalypto. Is that what you're thinking of? Uh, no, but that would probably do it as well. It's called um, something about the serpent. Oh, it's called. Oh, it's gonna drive me crazy. Just sit. Embrace sit. of the serpent. Embrace of the. Serpent. And that's what I kind of wish Lost City of Z was like. That's a good movie. Cool. Um. Yeah, so if you're if you're interested in a a mad a madness adventure in the Amazon going down the river, that's what I'd recommend. Yeah, Lost City Z is much more like the dig because it's yeah. about archaeology and stuff. Right. Yeah, but they pitch it like it's this crazy adventure. I was like, it's gonna be so gritty. Oh, Robert Pattinson's in it. Okay, yeah, for sure. Amazon Studios is doing it. This is like this is when Amazon Studios is a new thing. And the other Amazon Studios movie I saw was Manchester by the Sea. I was like, yes, I'm ready. I want some indie gritty. You know, I want it. I want a dirty Robert Pattinson and I want dirty Charlie Hoonan and they're grubby and they, they haven't taken a shower. So anyway, that's not quite what happens or it does happen, but it's just kind of like a few minutes of the movie, you know? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Catching yeah. my drift. Yeah, it's not like this movie. Oh, so dirty. Oh, dirty boys and yeah. girls. Oh, dirty everywhere. So, yeah. but in a look, the dig is dry dirty. That's the problem with the dig. That's this why you movie don't like the dig? Is moist dirty. People are sweaty, hot, and dirty. And you, that I can handle. The moisture comforts me. The dryness, the dry oh, and dirty, because no. it gets crusty, it gets under your finger. But if I'm moist, then I, I can wipe the dirt off in theory because it's moist. But Cody, what about Dune? There's um, no moisture. That's the whole thing. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I'll just I'll bring a camel back, some chapstick, and I, I think I'll get in some moisturizer. I'll spritz you. I'll get one of those. I just, I just need one of those fans that squirt water. You know, I just need yeah. you to spritz me here and there. I grew up in such a dry, dry desert. Yeah. That it gives me flashbacks. You, you know? are Paul Atreides. Exactly. You rose from the desk. That's me. To watch this film with me. Mm -hmm. So does that mean I'm the I you know, I am fatter than Baron Harkonnen, so just throwing that out there. We can no, I'm it. not gonna understand any of these references until Denis Villeneuve releases his Dune. I refuse to know any of these references until <laughs> Denis Villeneuve releases this is Dune. Okay, so we're towards the end of the movie. And so kind of the question is, Martin Sheen, yeah, is he going to finish the mission and kill? Marlon Brando. Is he going to do it? Is he not going to? Is he going to be able to do it? It's interesting because he's listening to him so much that I really thought 
And they seem so like-minded in certain ways because they're both like all these people that are abusing their power in their own way. Like what's, what's the difference? And they all are embraced by the jungle. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Did you also, I totally forgot until just now as we were talking about it, that his mission was to go find this group, infiltrate the group, like mm. join the group. Yeah. And oh, then kill I, I forgot they talked about infiltrating it. Yeah, you're right. They yeah. did. Like he was supposed well, to join it. Which is interesting because while he's on his mission, the dossier he gets is like, yeah, by the way, we sent someone else to do the same mission a few months ago. Just confirmed. Yeah, he's part of that troop. <laughs> we can only assume he's part of that troop now. He's he sent a letter back to his family saying, sell everything. Doesn't matter. I'm here now. You know, that kind of thing. So like, yeah, yeah so he's he's far gone. He joined the cult. So I was like, because even in the beginning, that was my thing. He's like, oh. Yeah. He's just going to join the call when they first, because you see how crazy he is. Like Which, that's what's going to happen. But then halfway through, they're like, oh, someone else. Anyways, it was interesting because that was kind of the question the whole time. Is he going to actually do the mission? Was that the guy that he approached when he first showed up? Because he walked up to a guy and said a name. Yeah, I think that's okay. that guy. I think I recognize him from the photo because you see his photo. It's like military photo and it looked like the same guy. Yeah. He's just a thousand yards stare, doesn't even look at him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. So what did you think was going to happen? Where where were you at? <clears throat> I so this is what I thought. And I think So I think in that 3 years of editing they took what they what they got from that year and a half of shooting and I think what he chose to, in my mind the whole thing is you could look at it as Martin Sheen's character never left the hotel room kind of thing like this is him going to face this is him and his sane self because he never goes crazy going to face his demons the crazy side of him Mm -hmm. that wants to be in the jungle Mm -hmm. so I was like he's gonna kill him yeah you know because that's why he's killing him and then everybody bows to him. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I did think for a minute he was just going to leave. He was going to turn around and go. Be like, all right, I'm just going to leave him be. That's what I thought might happen for a minute. But I, I don't know. I was kind of rooting for him to finish his mission. Yeah. And and that is what happens, right? But they do it in such an interesting way. Because he he emerges from the water. He's all camoed up. I thought he was going to have a knife in his mouth. I was like, Rambo is that what this is from? <laughs> um, so... He's going through the shadow. He kills the one guard who's <laughs> he's in charge of Marlon Brando. Goes in. And he that this is the part that I missed because it seemed like they were talking and Martin Sheen said like he wanted me to do it. Talking about like referring to Marlon Brando. Was there something before that? Did I miss a piece of Brando's speech? Before. It seemed like Brando and him were talking. When he goes in to kill him? He was monologuing. Well, he's talking into like a speaker. Yeah, but then... Everybody. No, but there's a part... B- before he emerges out of the water, he's in the boat, right? Yeah. And he's getting the call from the, the strike team being like, hey, do you read? Do you read? And he's like, you know, Colonel Kurtz wanted me to do it. But I, I didn't know if anything prompted that. I don't if know. That I was think, just what he understood no. from their, yeah, their I, back and I, forth. I think it's just kind of the montage of him seeing him. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where I started to be like, oh, where I got the vibe of. I think they edited it in such a way where it is him going to kill a guy, but mm-hmm. it's also him facing his demons of 
he wants him to end it. He wants this to be over, just like Charlie Sheen's character wants the. Yeah. He doesn't want to want to go back to Vietnam. He wants to be fine. Mm -hmm. You know. Yeah, and um. So he, so he does. He strikes down Marlon Brando. At the same time, there's a water buffalo, and there's a ritual where they're. The, the cult is killing a water buffalo. It was really interesting. They were cutting back and forth between the water buffalo being killed and him killing Marlon Brando. Do you think the they really time. killed a water buffalo? I know for a fact they did. Yeah. So here's what happened. This is a real ritual that has happened with like whatever tribe it was. Yeah. And Francis Ford Coppola had witnessed it and he wanted to include it in the movie. <laughs> Because it's an American production, it is it is under the jurisdiction of American Humane Society. They did not have anyone there to like enforce anything or observe it. Um, they, and so they just had them kill it. And so Francis Ford is like, oh well, it was a real ritual that happened, and we just happened to film it. Like that's not at all what happened. You staged the whole thing. You just made it look like a ritual because you're like, oh, I do some chants, do some things, you know. And so, very controversial, right? you watch a water buffalo get killed on screen. Yeah. And like several very brutal like chops. It looks so realistic. I just, I was confused why the water buffalo wasn't more like, was so docile. Yeah. Do you think they drugged it or a water buffalo just that, you know, that's what I didn't understand. But it, it's a little haunting just to see it happen because you're like, that's not real. That's a really good prosthetic. They had so such realistic prosthetic heads. You're like, oh, is that a prosthetic too? But I mean, it cuts like it's being butchered and, and it is, it's being killed. Um, so pretty crazy. The American Humane Society listed that, you know, normally at the end of the movie, like no animals were harmed. This movie, no such thing. The Humane Society rates this movie unacceptable as far as mm -hmm. like its treatment of animals. So, yeah, which I mean, I've always wondered how, like, how do you feel about that? If, if they're filming and it's like they're on location. So like, say they were there and those people were like, well, we're going to. You know, this is something they do every six months. And he's like, well, we're still going to be here in six months. Mm. Can we just film you guys doing it? So, like, if you knew for a fact they did just film, like, they got permission from the people to just film them actually doing yeah. this. Because I know the Humane Society would still be like, that's unacceptable. But it's like, they were going to kill this thing anyway. I just yeah. thought it was a cool visual for the movie. I mean, it's no different. That's what's interesting about it, right? Because animals are slaughtered all the time and i i eat meat you know like yeah. i benefit from from animals being butchered all the time and slaughtered so what's the difference of someone filming it i guess it depends right are you just killing an animal to kill it for the movie or are you going to use that animal that's my thing too it's like i don't mind i think some people really don't like hunting i don't mind hunting if you're if you're using the animal you know yeah. like if you're going to use that me and everything i don't really have a problem with it um but it begs the question does that does that make it okay to do for art um i mean it's a haunting i don't know i mean in in the context of the movie he's killing marlon brando at the same time you've seen so much like abuse of power and like violence in the movie and it, it really is the man-on-man -man violence any different than people yeah. killing an animal for a ritual and i don't know i mean it it brings up some interesting questions yeah because i think and there's another thing because i think so the the ritual for one i think in this kind of movie 
where it's meant to be a very realistic, like haunting view at the Vietnam War mm -hmm. and this guy dealing with the, his traumas. But I also, if I remember right, mm. the whole ritual they were doing in those tribes is it's like all the sins and wickedness and badness that the tribe has done are given to the animal and then they sacrifice it's like them. an atonement sacrifice that yeah. like the children of Israel would do in the Old Testament. Yeah. And you so like their atonement, thank you have it. sacrifice, yeah. you burn offering, all that stuff. Which is why I'm like, that's why I draw the him killing Marlon Brando's character is him facing his own. Interesting. I mean, that, demons. that is a great, that is a great parallel to draw. You know? I think you're onto something there. Yeah. Putting all his stuff on him and, and killing him. That's what's interesting, right? Because he kills him and you would think maybe the cult would turn on him, right? Yeah. And instead they all kneel down. Some of them lay their weapons down. They let him pass through. Um, and this is what I thought was interesting too. As he takes the boat away, that strike team is still calling in, right? Like, hey, yeah. do you copy? They're basically saying, like, hey, do you want us to strike the position? Marlon Brando, in his like little memoir that he had been typing up, had yeah. that red note where it's like, it was like exterminate them all or drop the bomb, whiteboard, yeah, kill them all. Or yeah. Like and and so it's like, oh, so Marlon Brando wanted just to end the whole thing. Like he was done with all of it. But it seemed like Martin Sheen did strike down Marlon Brando, completed his mission didn't call in the airstrike yeah so what it, what does that mean does that mean he's siding with like that military complex thing is he just completing his mission like you said to face his demons and he's saying i'm not the same as you because i'm not gonna wipe out those people yeah he's a, he's a tool he's not a crazy person mm -hmm. you know he's surgical he did it in his own way because yeah. he very much very easily could have ordered the strike yeah and but been like colonel surfboard yeah, but I mean, his whole thing really is he only does anything when it's necessary. Mm -hmm. You know, like there's a I, there's a guy like on YouTube that I like a lot that he talks about how great heroes in movies or great characters in general are reactive. Mm -hmm. They're not active, they're reactive. Like he always points to uh, Die Hard, mm -hmm. how... John McClane does everything he can to avoid confronting the bad guys. And it's only like when that's the only option left to him that he actually starts shooting people and mm -hmm. going all nuts on them. Yeah. But like he calls the police and he tries to signal to them and does all that, you know? Right. Same thing. Like he doesn't do Charlie Sheen doesn't or not Charlie <laughs> Martin Sheen doesn't do anything. Yeah. Well, that's like, you know, same thing with like the Avengers, right? Yeah. They avenge the bad stuff that happens. But then that's like a whole, that's a whole storyline there too. Like in Civil War where it's like, we need to be responsible. It's like, well, we shouldn't answer it anyway. We should be able to act as soon as possible and as we deem necessary and not when someone else deems necessary. And it's, uh, no, that's a good point. And so how, do, how does that draw in with him killing that lady? Right. So they shot up the boat. The lady wasn't actually dead. They're like, oh, we got to take her to the hospital. He shoots yeah. her and says, nope, we have to go do my mission. I told you not to stop. Yeah. Well, that's what I think. Like, because he's like, we can't. This is a waste of time. She's going to die before we get there. You yeah. killed her. Yeah. You're just going to take her dead body to what a village. Oh, I, I did yeah. like really like that quote. Because I, I think it's after that one. He says, like, we shoot him with machine guns and then give him a band aid. 
Yeah. It's like complete hypocrisy. You know, it doesn't make any sense. And and that is that's a big a big thing with the Vietnam War, right? A big criticism. It's like, well, look at all the destruction. And and I think it's the same thing that happens today, right? If you spend enough time fighting in someone else's homeland, then eventually they're just gonna be mad at you for fighting in their homeland and the destruction you cause there. And especially when we talk about Vietnam, you see like in the movies at least, you see all these troops kind of taking liberties and doing whatever they want and just I love having my helicopter and I'm going to shoot down, but you know, just love having my destruction and becoming part of that part of the madness. So did you ever see a good morning Vietnam? Yeah. It's that that. exact same thing. Spoiler for good morning Vietnam. Fast forward 30 seconds if you don't want to hear it, but there's that kid who he was friends with. And at the end, he's like, I don't, you're the ones who are destroying my home country. That's why, that's why he joins with Viet Cong, you know? Yeah. It's like, I, you killed my family, you know, your troops killed my family. So now I'm, now I'm here fighting against you. So I think it's the same thing that happened. That's happening in the Middle East. where it's just like, we can only be there for so long before it's just perpetuating itself where it's like, okay, you strike me and I strike you. And people see that they get mad at it. They join the resistance and you're just going to, just going to keep on going. Yeah. Anyway, Canada is an isolationist country. And they have delicious maple syrup and maple cookies. So maybe we have a lesson to learn. What kind of cookies do we have? All the cookies. Chocolate chip. I love chocolate chip cookies, but. Oreos. It's not. It doesn't come from us. You know. Oreos. I guess corn Chips syrup does. So I guess anytime you use corn syrup in a, in a cookie, you're being an American. Cookies were invented in America, much like freedom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And soap. So, I mean, that's, that's the movie. I, I really liked it. I mean, it is, it's maddening. It's haunting. It's a long, it's a long one. The, the first half is very different from the second half, but it is, it's gradual it's descent. descent. Yeah, it's I really like it. I think it's one of those movies where it's like, if you're trying to be a film person yeah, and see, like, I would put it in, like, if we were going to make a list of top 100 films. I would put it on the list. Definitely, yeah. And, I mean, there's a lot to say for it. I think the camera work is great. The effects were great. There are strong performances. Some of the lighting choices are so cool. That night scene with the flares going by, lighting everything. Marlon Brando being lit in such a interesting way. The overlay, they do all the overlays too. Like, even in the beginning, that's like a famous scene, right? There's oh, yeah. the choppers, the ceiling fan, Martin Sheen's face, fire. You know, it goes back and forth. And then, towards the end of the movie, you see the... The troops being overlaid over each other, you know, yep. and the stone face being overlaid, Martin Sheen's face. And I mean, it took three years to edit, but I, what a product, right? He, he, you know, Francis Ford Coppola, he loves his overlays, you know? Gotta love him. This was nominated for eight Academy Awards. Yeah. It won Best Cinematography and Best Sound. The yeah. sound is incredible in the movie. Oh, yeah. Which is amazing because they had to actually do a lot of dubbing <laughs> in the movie, oh, and, yeah. including like VO and stuff. A lost best picture to Kramer v. Kramer, which, if you haven't seen it's a Dustin Hoffman, Meryl Streep movie. Really good. Wait, so it's not a Friends spinoff, or not Friends, Seinfeld spinoff movie? Mm-mm. No, Seinfeld is a spinoff of Kramer v. Kramer. Oh, okay. But really well-written movie, really good one. Um, Yeah, I like the movie. I think this might be a better movie, but... Kramer v. Kramer, what a tight script. And I mean, Meryl Streep and Dustin Hoffman, 
what talents? What if Dustin Hoffman was in this movie? I think Dustin Hoffman's an amazing actor. So I, I, uh, I like what if Meryl Streep him. was the Colonel? Oh, okay. Hoffman v. Streep in Vietnam instead of in a divorce court. That's what yeah. I want. Yeah. Here's the thing. Okay. Let me, let me hit you with this right now. Let's recast this film. Let's remake it today. All right. Mm-hmm. Who you put, I will cast the Colonel dude. Marlon Brando. Who are you putting? Martin Sheen. Martin Sheen. Yeah, it's hard. This is really hard. It's hard. I have some ideas. I don't know if any of them are right. Just some ideas, though? Not all the ideas? I don't know. I think Leo would be really good. He's a little older now. Yeah. But I mean, it's not supposed to, I think it seems pretty clear. Like he's not supposed to be the young soldier. Mm-hmm. He's supposed to contrast very heavily. He's supposed to be like the guy who's been on like 15 assassination missions. He's yeah. in his thirties. He's like at the end of his career as a black ops guy. Christian Bale would be good too, but I think he's a little more intense. I think he needs someone a little more, you know, mild mannered. Almost. Yeah. Oh, I had somebody in my head and it's I don't know. gone. It's I, so perfect. Oh. If it was a young guy, I think Timothy Chalamet would be really good. Ooh. But he's a little young. He's young. Is he actually young or does he just look young? No, he's very young. He's smooth. He's, he's a smooth a, boy. I think, wasn't he like the youngest best actor nominee like two years ago or three, two or three years ago? I Maybe. think so. I mean, he's in his early 20s. Yeah. Gosh, I don't, I don't know who. Who are you going to pick for Brando? Billy Zane. <laughs> Stop. You're going to look me in the eye and tell me they don't look exactly the same? I mean, you're right about that. Yeah. You are and right about that. You Here's the thing. Here's what Billy's bringing to the table. He looks the same. He's this crazy person. We know he can be fat and kind of jacked at the same mm. time. And you know he can get bronze. You know he'd be good. Who? I'm doing your job now, Sam Rockwell. Yeah, I think he'd be good at that. So here's he'd the be thing. Too funny though. Yeah, too funny. He would. He could be the, the cavalry guy. Oh, he'd be. Oh, he'd be great. So good. Um, yeah. So I talked about. So the character's supposed to be like tall, lanky, skinny. Yeah. Um, Marlon Brando's five seven, and so they shot him at a ratio to try to make him seem six five. But yeah, Marlon Brando's five seven. I had no clue. I had yeah. no idea. He looks like a big boy. But you know what? Billy Zane. Probably taller than that. Yeah. I can confirm. Probably. Can't confirm. He probably is. So Coppola had a really hard time with this movie. Like Just like everyone else, this was kind of a nightmare for him. He threatened to commit suicide and, and during the filming lost 100 pounds. Yeah, I saw that. That's crazy. I have to watch this Heart of Darkness thing. Okay, Brando, we talked about him deciding, compromising with the ad-lib sort of thing. Most of his famous lines are ad-libbed, but his main speech, he improvised an 18-minute speech that they recorded, and then they just kind of chopped it up, condensed it down to about two minutes for like his main speech. Well, yeah. Billy Zane's six feet tall, so he's perfect. Here's my question. If I, if anybody went on an 18 minute rant 
could you make it into a two-minute Academy Award-worthy speech? If I was given three years, probably. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying, give me your most intense broodiness. 18 minutes starts now. And <laughs> just, you know what I'm saying? I'm just, I'm just saying. Yeah. Only like 14% of it has to be good. <laughs> you, I mean, you know, I can go on insane rants that That's you true. could definitely stitch together something coherent, but. I, uh, okay. Coppola, this movie went over budget. Not surprisingly. Did you see? All of it and the <laughs> amount of choppers and the amount of actors and the explosions yeah. and everything. They blew up a helicopter. I mean, the smoke alone, you know, like the smoke bomb budget alone had to be insane. Yeah. Coppola spent $7 million of his own money and mortgaged his Napa Valley home to, to help fund the movie. So, so that's cool. He's the hero we need. Mm-hmm. The real yeah. hero. You know? Um, I already said Martin Sheen had a heart attack, and I mentioned George Lucas was originally the director. I guess that really strained their relationship between George Lucas and Francis Ford Coppola. George Lucas was real upset he didn't get to do this one. Oh, bummer. Which, but but George Lucas today, it's one of those things you're like, 1980 George Lucas, you're like, ah, would have been so cool. But like 2005 George Lucas, like fresh off Attack of the Clones, you're like, maybe it's better we went with Coppola. Yeah, the thing is, like, what what is George Lucas's movie? Because with him, I always think of like Star Wars and Indiana Indiana Jones, Jones which it would have been a much more, much more of an adventure movie and less of a. He hasn't had. He doesn't really do like the gritty, dark kind of things. Coppola is much more that vibe. I mean, the yeah. So his top four credits: Star Wars, THX eleven thirty eight. Which is this like short film he made? Well, he made a short right. film. He also made a feature length version of it. Oh, there's so that feature. was his 1971. That was like his first like feature film. Oh, okay. Followed that up with American Graffiti, which is a classic movie. Once again, it's, it's adventure. It's you know, a teen movie. Indiana Jones. Those are his biggest titles. Let me see. As a director, I'm trying to think of like what else he did because I know he did THX, Star Wars, Indiana Jones. So what else did he direct? I guess not else. I mean, this is telling me, okay, he did, he directed, what, four or five Star Wars movies in total? He only directed the first Star Wars movie and then one, two, and three. That's it. I mean, that's his directing career. THX, American Graffiti, Star Wars. Yeah. Take a break, more Star Wars. Yeah, because I think, you know, you think about him doing four five and six but he was just like heavily involved in five and six but yeah there was different actual directors yeah i mean he was the writer for five and six and he was there all the time but he's still the it's still his brainchild i mean i'm looking through his credits and it's just all star wars stuff for writing credits and it's all just star wars stuff it's like, yeah based on characters by based on characters by based on characters by yeah yeah it kind of stinks that and Indian Jones is an amazing one too, but I also suffered the same thing where it's like, oh yeah, they made a fourth one and it wasn't great. <laughs> yeah. That's really too bad. Okay, so here's my question before we wrap up. I did want to look up Coppola because I know he did Godfather. I know he did Apocalypse Now. You know that he was a sibling of the person who uh, created Nicolas Cage. He sure was. He was right in that gene pool. 
he's done a lot of movies even uh, into the 2000s i'm trying to see any that i super recognize i haven't oh, watched he, this what he directed the 1992 dracula yeah oh the is that the horny one, one? the yeah. sexy one with sexy uh gary, gary oldman? oldman and winona Ryder. give gary oldman play the girl Gosh, see <gasps> no jk simmons with a mustache oh there you go it's a hard reveal on it so Oh, he directed The Outsiders, Rumblefish, Cotton Club. Oh, Captain EO, the Michael Jackson short. So good. I had a Captain EO shirt. Okay. Yeah. Though, I mean, he's kind of the same thing. Well, no, he's got quite a few credits throughout the 60s that I don't know. But he's got like a dozen movies throughout the 60s. And then The Godfather was the big kick. So I know he wasn't a big director. Until the Godfather, the conversation is one that I should probably see because that's really well reviewed. Godfather Two, Apocalypse Now. After that, he does a few things in the eighties, but really slows down, and then nothing like super noteworthy. It looks like since then, yeah, nothing like over an eighty metascore. So they only have they have one, they have one dose of fame between them and he passed it to nick cage see and same directors from that era if you look at steven spielberg who is successful to this day directing movies yeah. same with martin scorsese same era to this day has been churning out hits it's interesting to see coppola and lucas had those like bright flashes and then were pretty quiet since then nothing super noteworthy whereas scorsese and spielberg have been like churning out hits yeah their whole like 30 40 year careers yeah of course like the uh star wars shows kind of show that lucas can still be good as long as someone else like he writes it and someone else directs it yeah he's just not great at directing i mean it's a he's too much of a, nerd. a great universe yeah it's like the jk rowling thing yeah I mean, that's what I've got to say. Except he's haunting yeah. film. Yeah. I would highly recommend it. Like kind of like you said, I mean, a film person, if you're really interested in like classic movies or something like it's dark, it's a little haunting. I mean, it's pretty haunting. Yeah. I think it's famously like kind of stays with you because you watch a water buffalo get killed on screen yeah. and it just kind of gets crazier and crazier. But it was great. I thought it's, it was really, really good. It's one of those movies is what I recommend anybody. All you people out there, all of our fan um you know your local everybody we're all getting vaccinated now for the stuff you know i guarantee you whatever local hipster theater every eight months has an apocalypse now mm -hmm. showing yeah check That's it out say. i've heard um this is one of those movies it has three cuts yeah. we watched a the theatrical which reading online it seemed like most people like Theatrical will do. It's actually probably the best cut. Some people like the... There's a final cut, which is three hours. And there's a redux, redo. Redux. Uh, which is three hours and 15 minutes. It's 15 I know, more minutes. I know the other cuts, they have some more like sex stuff in it. And I think it's just like a longer descent into the madness. So I don't know. I haven't... I didn't see more than like one or two people online that were like, oh, actually, I thought that... I thought the redux was really great. So... I think I would just stick with the, considering how long it felt, I would stick oh. with the with the theatrical cut and call it good. I just want the Redux to be just all 
more ducks. Like every time there's a duck on screen, it's full. It's just like longer. three more scenes with banana boats filled with ducks. Like they roll up to the they roll up to the boat and it's just like a duck with like the you know like the little like rice patty sun hat thing. Yeah, that they and he's just like and he like hands him the papers. They like rifle through the boat, all ducks. Yeah, yeah. That that's kind of what I'm about. Um, I would even go with a duck cut. Yeah. So you just kind of Photoshop in a duck wherever Martin Sheen is. <laughs> oh yeah. It's just like a duck doing the mission. Yeah, that would be funny. That's what I've got to say. It's an intense one, but it's a good one. An intensey but a goodie. Yeah. Yeah. Which is which is my brand. Yeah. That's why this is a Cody Corner film. Thank you so much for listening. You can review us or share us wherever you can find a podcast. You can yell at me for racial slurs I may have accidentally said at Opinion Havers on Twitter or on Facebook. Thank or you. on Bumble. What? Is that still a thing? Bumble is still a thing. I don't know if it's what you think it is. Are you thinking of the gay one? No, I'm thinking of the dating app. Okay. Are you suggesting our podcast has a profile on a dating app where women have to initiate the conversation? I'm saying, why don't we? I mean, it's been done. I knew someone who did it. We had like a, we had a church event and they made a profile for the church event on like a church dating app. Nice. So that people could just swipe up and it would just send a message to be like, here's the info for the thing. Wouldn't you love to come? So nice. I guess we could do a rogue marketing campaign on Bumble. I mean, I'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> and Grinder, which is the gay one. Oh my goodness. Because we're inclusive, Cody. We are inclusive, even though we say slurs we don't mean to. Thanks for listening. And until next time, watch movies. And have opinions. It's like a light slur, you know? Yeah. Diet slur. <laughs> That's what we're all about here. <laughs>